What up, fam? Everybody good? Hey, real quick before we jump into tonight's uh, message, I got a couple of announcements. First and foremost, for all the high school ladies that are here, all the high school ladies, uh, I want you to make every effort to get yourself freed up tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, the church is hosting uh, a special evening with all the ladies, and we have our guest speaker, Maria Durso, who's going to be coming out. Uh, she, let me just, our pastor, quick. This family, I love this family. I love this couple. They're an amazing couple. These are our pastor's best friends. They together uh, started a church over 20 years ago that's doing phenomenal in the city of New York. But particularly, let me talk to the ladies real quick. Uh, that woman, she bad. I'm talking just like, she's bad. Like, one of the, probably the, one of the best speakers, I don't care if you say male, female, one of the best speakers I've ever come across, brings it raw, just tells it like it is, and has one of the most powerful stories I've ever read. She's got a book about her life that'll just knock you out, um, and it's free. So all the ladies that are in high school, we want to encourage you to come out tomorrow night between 7 to 9. That's going to be just for the ladies. And gentlemen of high school age, uh, we want you to come out Saturday. Her husband, Pastor Dursa, who's just as good, just as raw, he's going to be with the men Saturday morning. And so um, here's my heart for it. This couple's so great, and she's so awesome that last year I convinced our district youth director, our DYD, I said, bro, next year's momentum you got to have Maria Durso. And he's like, do you think we can get her? I was like, bro, I'll call her right now. So I text her. I said, hey, Maria, we're wondering if you'd be willing to come out to Momentum and, and share with our kids. This was her response. You really want 70-year-old me? That lady's 70, by the way. She don't look it, but she look bad. She goes, you want 70-year-old me to come and talk to teenagers? I said, Maria, I am tired of telling your stories for you. You got to come and share it yourself. So she's going to be our main speaker for this year's Momentum. So I'm just letting you know, y'all get a sneak peek tomorrow night here at our main sanctuary. So I want to encourage all the ladies who are of high school age, make sure that you come out. And gentlemen, you are all welcome to join us Saturday morning. Pastor Durso is our pastor's pastor. He's a powerful man of God. And I know we're going to have a great time. Plus, men, we get a breakfast. So we almost never get nothing. We get a breakfast. So a French, ooh, French toast on the menu? Yeah. If nothing else, come for the French toast, right? So uh, I want to encourage you, just do that. Make sure you're there. If you need any information, talk to us afterward. Amen? Amen. All right. So I want to share something in particular and specific to you tonight. Um, you know, I've gotten to speak at a lot of cool places here for so many years now. And I've gotten to do a lot of cool things. I've gotten to speak at a lot of cool places. Uh, this past week, I spoke at two other youth groups. Uh, next Sunday, I'm going to fly out to South Dakota, and I'm going to be doing their district camp for a week. Um, I, you know, I got to do Illinois camp the last two years. I've done you know, all these cool speaking engagements, all these cool platforms. And, um, and a lot of times, people will ask me, like, man, how did you get to that? Or what's the secret to that? Or, you know, what did you do? Blah, blah, blah. And really, there's nothing that I could put in a bottle and sell, or else, you know, I would speed the light, right? We'd, we'd try to raise some money up. Um, but let me give you the secret that I have found when it comes to ministry, and I think everything in life. Almost anything I've ever done, God has always blessed me. Every job I've ever had, I've been promoted. I had one job one time when I was 19, where I was the youngest person in the warehouse. I was working with 250 other warehouse employees. Everybody was in their 40s and up. I got promoted three times and was everybody's boss by the end of that year. God has always given me favor, but I want to give you the secret to that because I think it's important for you to understand and not just understand, to implement, okay? Because it's not my education, especially from a pastor's perspective. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to any special programs. Uh, I didn't get to go to anything. Sometimes I feel like there's so many more people or so many others that are just a lot more intelligent and a lot better or more equipped than I am. I didn't have any of those opportunities. I didn't really know about it, right? Honestly, the, the only thing I knew how to do is I thought, well, if I can't do nothing else, I'd be a servant. Learning. I think the secret to a lot of success is learning how to be a servant. Learning how to serve people. This is the thing that has served me the most. Everywhere I've been, I've made myself committed to being a servant to the people that were there. Not just the people above me, but even the people around me. Everything that I've tried to do, any success that I've had in ministry aside from the Lord, I can attribute to this one discipline that I've worked hard to maintain, and that is the discipline of understanding that I am a servant. 
and I am here to serve. Serving doesn't require any specific skills. You don't got to be an amazing singer to serve. You don't got to be the most athletic to serve. You don't got to be the smartest to serve. Everyone in this room has the capability of serving. Serving has nothing to do with your talents and your skills. It has everything to do with your effort and your willingness to step up and do it. Serving is something you have 100% control over, right? I don't have control over whether or not I can speak, but I have control over serving. I, I thought about this the last couple years. I got to preach at the Illinois camp, right? 1,300 teenagers, you know, I'm, I'm preaching, praying that God would move, and kids are coming up to me and thanking me, and we're having all these great moments. But I remember my first time going to that camp. They didn't even trust me to run the kitchen. I was assistant to the person who was running the kitchen, which is AKA the guy who cleaned up the tables. So I wasn't even worthy of cleaning up the tables. I had to help the guy that was in charge of cleaning up the tables. But I remember during my lunch, all I did is I would go around and I would pick up people's trash and I would throw it away. I go, I know I don't have to do it. If I had came the speaker, I kept trying to do that. I would just go around and, I'd, and they'd be like, no, you don't have to do it. I go, I know I don't have to do it. If I had to do it, it wouldn't be serving, it'd be obligation, right? I wanna serve because that's how God called me. See. There's a difference between serving to get somewhere and serving because you're already there. I wanted to serve because it's the heart that God gave me. It's the heart that I believe God has given each of his servants. And so what I could do, aside from all the other things that I knew I couldn't do, I can serve. I think a lot of us are waiting to figure out what our purpose in life is. Let me just tell you this. Everybody's purpose as a Christian is to serve. I used to work as an HR manager for Target, and I would bring in all the new employees. I would hire all the employees, and we would do these training sessions. And I would hire all different kind of positions. I hired every position within that Target. So whether you were in the back room, toy section, clothing section, Starbucks, whatever, I hired everybody. And here's the thing I would say during the training sessions. I don't care what job we hired you for. If we need it, all of you are cashiers, okay? Every one of you is a cashier. So if we got backed up in the front and I need cashiers, you better stop what you're doing, come, and become a cashier. Okay? So you might have your specific role, but when needed, we're all cashiers. The boss was a cashier. The store manager was a cashier. Everybody had to understand how to be a cashier. Here's why I say that. I don't care what your specific gifting is. I don't care if you're musically inclined. I don't care if you have a talent for fashion. I don't care if you have a talent uh, for media or anything else within the church God has given you. Maybe you're amazing later on as you grow with helping out with teenagers. Whatever gift God has given you, maybe you're an amazing speaker. Maybe you're an amazing uh, gymnastics person. I don't know whatever gifts God's given you, right? Whatever gift God has given you, all of you are cashiers or all of you are supposed to serve. Every one of us has to be willing to serve. If you've ever watched the late night talk show with Steve Colbert, he had this quote. Steve Colbert was actually a graduate from Northwestern University. And listen to this quote that he said. He says, this is speaking at a commencement speech. After I graduated from here, I moved down to Chicago and did improv. Improv is this kind of improvisational acting where they're just making stuff up as they go along. Now, there are very few rules to improvisation, but one of the things I was taught early on is that you are not the most important person in the scene. Everybody else is. And if they are the most important people in the scene, you will naturally pay attention to them and serve them. The good news is you're in the scene too. So hopefully to them, you're the most important person and they will serve you. No one is leading. You're all following the follower, serving the servant. You cannot win improv. And life is an improvisation. You have no idea what's going to happen next, and you are mostly just making things up as you go along. Listen, you don't have to win at life if you learn how to serve in life. Okay? There is no winners and losers. If we all learn to serve each other, everybody. Then you see two brothers at a particular portion of Scripture in Mark chapter 10. Because in Mark chapter 10, you see two brothers, James and John. These were disciples of Jesus Christ. These were guys who were part of that 12. And even closer, they were part of Jesus' inner circle. And they asked Jesus a particular question that I think is a little bold. They say, hey, Jesus, when you ascend your throne in heaven, can we sit at the right and left hand of you? Okay. Now, this is a bold statement because of what that represents. In essence, they wanted to be ranked number one and two next to the king. They wanted the honor of being next to the king and being ranked one and two among everybody, okay? So they literally had the audacity to ask Jesus for this. 
John and James were trying to win this game that the disciples played all the time. You want to know what the disciples' favorite game was? Who's greater? One of the arguments they always had among each other was who was the greater disciple? Who's the better one of us? And it's almost like you ever played that game with your mom and dad? Like, hey, mom, who do you love more? I know you love me more. But come on. And, and here's the truth, especially if, like if you're me and you know your mom loves you the most, you want her to say it to your brother or sister just so they know what you know. You know what I'm saying? You're like, come on, mom, come on, come on. And sometimes if you're lucky, your mom or dad, they'll just kind of give you a wink like, I love you all. Wink, you're the best. Right? And you know in your heart you're the best. And if you've never heard that, I'm sorry, you're not the best. <laughs> you're not her favorite, okay? So here is the situation where all audacity to ask to sit at the Jesus, who's the best? Who's your favorite? And John and James had the audacity to ask to sit at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. When the other disciples heard that, they got really mad. They got really upset when they heard what they asked. So Jesus decided to once again remind them what real greatness looks like in the kingdom of heaven. So let's look at Mark chapter 10, and I'm going to read verse 42 through 45. Listen to what Jesus' definition of greatness is. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it is different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave to everyone else. For even the son of man, meaning Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Before I explain to you what I believe serving is, I think it's important to understand what serving is not. So if you're taking notes, the number one thing we're going to write down right now, serving is not a job. Serving is not a job. Well, what do I mean by that? People who work a job expect to be compensated. People who go to a job, if you get a part-time job at McDonald's and you are flipping burgers and fries and you smell like milkshake and you're going through all this stuff, at the end of that work week, you are expecting financially. This is the exchange. There's a, a mutual agreement that I will serve you if you serve me financially. This is the exchange that you partake in when you get a job. But it's important to understand that serving is not a job. We don't do this in order to get any kind of financial means, any kind of praise or, or blessings through a status. Too often people serve to try to get something out of it. People serve to be recognized. People serve to get a pat on the back. Let me tell you something. If you're serving somebody and you get mad that they don't thank you or you get mad that they don't tell you how amazing you are after what you did, you shouldn't have done it. Right? You ever have somebody like do you a favor and then they remind you about that favor all the time? And they're like, well, you remember when I did this for you? And you're like, I wish you never did that for me. Right? Because you don't want it after that. Because it's like, dude, if you were going to hold that over my head the whole time, you should have never done it. I thought you did it because we were cool. I thought you did it because you loved me. But obviously, you know, it's like I, I know about this with my siblings. They can get you a glass of water one time and will bring it over your head every time. Right? They'll be laying on the couch and be like, hey, can you cook me a full dinner? And you're like, what? You remember that time I got you water? It's like, you got me water. You didn't make a rotisserie chicken. Like, you know, you're asking for everything. But that's what we do. We hold it over people. It's like, and then here's, here's my favorite threat from any sibling. When they say no, this is what you do. Okay, watch. Watch the next time you ask me for something. Right? And listen, if you're, if you're super petty, you don't forget it could be six months later, there in the two ago when I wanted chicken and you didn't give me. They cracked that door open like, hey, give me some toilet paper. You remember six months ago when I wanted chicken and you didn't give me no chicken? Yeah, go over there, cagao, and mess up. I don't care about any of your stuff. Right? That's, that's how petty we get. Why? Because you're serving to get something. You're not serving out of love. You're not serving because you want to serve that person. So here's what you understand. Serving is not a job. In order to serve, as that scripture just said, as Jesus was mentioning in Mark 10, you must be a slave to everyone else. You must be a slave to everyone else. Now, we don't like that terminology, right? It sounds bad. We get some weird imageries. But he's not talking about this slave that's abused and hurt. He's talking about, listen, you serve everybody. Everybody else is the master. You are the humble servant. If you want to serve, it's not because you get anything back. It's because you are giving something away. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, listen, verse 14 through 18. 
In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would, preserve, I would deserve payment. But I had the opportunity to preach the good news giving me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, let's not be confused. It is right to compensate the person who serves. That's justified. But he goes, but I'm not demanding that right. Because I love the fact that I could do it for free. Because what is he saying? I'm not doing it for the money. Let me say this very clearly. Pastor Joey could have done a lot of other things than be a youth pastor. And I could have made a lot more money doing a lot of the other things. You don't get into ministry for the money. Okay? You do it because God has called you to serve in that capacity. And there's been plenty of places that I have gone to speak and not gotten any money for it. Matter of fact, there was one spot. They told me, hey, bro, would you come and speak? Man, I'll hook you up with a sandwich. I thought he was for real. And I left, and I was like, dang, I really wish I got the sandwich. <laughs> like, I didn't eat. I was like, oh, he's going to take me out for dinner. I didn't even get the sandwich, okay. But I didn't do it for a sandwich. I, didn't do, I do it because God has given me the opportunity and the privilege to preach. So listen, when you serve somebody, when you're coming in early to help put up chairs, when you're doing stuff that God has called you to do, don't do it because we're going to pay you later or we're going to give you a scholarship to camp or we're going to hook you up in some way. Do it because it is an honor and a privilege to serve the Lord. When I think about that, I think about someone like AJ. AJ's here before I am sitting up against the wall. A lot of times AJ comes before the doors open. So he's just like a little hobo on the parking lot sitting up against the wall. Winter, rain, whatever. AJ's here. Sometimes it's just me and AJ in the building. And just for safety's sake, I just stay in my room and he goes somewhere else. And I'm like, when more people come, we can be in the same room. But he comes and these chairs don't set themselves up. AJ's in charge of setting up chairs. He gets a group of people and he puts them down. I've never had to ask him to do anything twice. And I've never paid AJ a dime. That's the heart of a servant who says, hey, I am here for whatever you need. And I don't care if I'm getting paid. I don't, I don't, this isn't a part-time job. He does it because he loves the Lord and he loves you and he's willing to serve. This is what I talk about when I say, hey, serving is an honor and a privilege and it's not a job. As I was writing this, I was wondering, because AJ, you're going into your senior year right now, right? Who's my next AJ? Who's the next person who's willing to step up and come early and say, hey, I'll do whatever you want. Hey, I'm, I'm just here. I want to be used. If it's putting up chairs, great. If it's, see, a lot of times people are like, hey, use me, but like, I want to be in the front on the microphone doing cool stuff. I want people to notice me. No one ever notices them putting up chairs. Who's the next AJ who says, hey, I want to come and I just want to put up chairs? Hey, I want to come and I just want to learn the sound ministry because, you know, I, I just noticed that they have a need. Hey, I just, I just want to come early and, man, what, what do you need me to do? You need me to help with the ministry? It's not just that, it's not just want to be used. Who's my next AJ? It's not just that it's not a job, but if you're taking notes, number two, serving is not about climbing the ladder either. Serving is not about climbing the ladder. In other words, it's not about gaining status. It's not about getting recognition. It's not about advancing in life. There are some who serve simply to gain power or influence. Some who serve simply for recognition to be noticed and stood out. They do it so that other people will celebrate them. They do it so that their name is known. I have a hard time, I'll just be honest with you from a preacher's perspective. With social media, there's a lot of people that are out there and they're always, you know, filming themselves doing stuff, or taking pictures and stuff. I'm really uncomfortable doing that. And so if you notice on my timeline, you don't see a lot of my speaking engagements, you know, on social media. And part of why you don't see that is because I'm like, dude, I don't want to brag about this. I'm not trying to show off. I get an opportunity to do this. So I'm going to do it without posting a bunch of stuff because I just love what I get to do. And we need to be careful 
Because if we're not careful, especially I see with a lot of preachers, they do it so that they can build up their fan base. They do it so that they can market themselves. I just want to market Jesus. I just want people to know his name. And the more they know my name, sometimes the less they get to know his name. I don't want this to be Pastor Joey's Excel. This is your Excel. That's why I never changed the name to like exist after I leave. Why? Because it's your ministry. And my prayer is that it existed before I was here and it will exist after I leave. Why? Because it was never built on my name. When people talk about Excel, they don't talk about Joey Silva. They talk about the leaders. They talk about the students. They talk about your passion for worship. They talk about your hunger to give. They talk about how you change atmospheres at events. They talk about you. And that's the way it's supposed to be. The disciples might have thought as they signed up to be part of Jesus' circle, I wonder how many of them just thought, I'm getting in on the ground floor. I'm going to get in on this inner circle. That because they were close to Christ, they would receive the highest honors and positions, right? Because I'm close to Jesus, when he brings his kingdom on earth, I'm going to have a high status in the kingdom of God. But listen, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve others. Now here's the deal. If you think you're above serving, you're not worthy of leading. If you think you've outgrown serving, you also are saying that you've outgrown Jesus. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. We need to be careful with our attitude. I'll be honest with you, just fully transparent. I've been doing this for years, and even before I became a pastor, I was a leader for about seven years. And part of my leadership, even when I was a student like AJ, I was putting chairs up. I can't count how many times in the other building I have stacked those chairs, all right? Chairs up, chairs down. And I remember as I began to climb, point, I was kind of like the second in command. Or as I began to gain more positional uh, authority, I remember at one point I was kind of like the second in command already among the ministry. I was P. John's right hand, the, the youth pastor at the time. And we had this thing and all the youth were putting chairs up. And I was just standing uh, in between Pastor John and Pastor Carlos. And Pastor Carlos looks at me, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, why aren't you stacking up chairs? And I... <laughs> To my shame, this is what I said. Man, I graduated from chair ministry. And they just laughed at me and looked at me and go, oh, you graduated. Oh, you think you better than this now. And I could, you ever just said something and you're like, dang it. You know what I mean? Like, like you just taste the foot in your mouth wiggling its toes. And I'm like, oh. And I go, I mean, I'm going to go get the chairs right now. And he's like, yeah, that's right. Yes, sir, I'm going to go put the chairs up, right? I never want to be beyond doing something. I never want to think that I've outgrown serving. Listen, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 9 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God will elevate you when you lower yourself. God will lift you up when you bow down. When you try to fluff yourself up, God smashes you. One of the things that God hates the most in this world is pride. There's a verse in the Bible that says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And that translation, oppose, means he wages war against. When you're prideful and arrogant, when you think you're too good to serve, when you think you can just show up here, sit down, enjoy a good talk, and then go home and not do anything to contribute and not do anything to participate, when you have that attitude, God says, I want to crush that out of you. But those who are humble in spirit, those who take on the attitude of Jesus, they say, man, I want to participate because this is part of my community. Think about it like this. Any of you siblings ever been the ones who had to clean the whole house, even though your mom and dad told all of you to clean? And while you're doing it, you're looking at them, right? And here's what happens. Because it was just you, the whole house didn't get clean. Mom and dad come home, and who gets yelled at for not cleaning the house? You do. Right? And the first thing you're doing is like, what about them? And you'll usually get something like, you know better, you're the oldest, you should do this, blah, 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 blah. They give you some dumb excuse. And you get mad, right? We, we don't like that. Well, how do you think it feels when it's only two or three people that come to Excel and do anything? And the rest of you just show up, sit down, stand up, listen, go home. 
When are you going to start participating? When are you going to get involved? Some of you have a gift of music, but you haven't been practicing. You haven't been working at it. And so i got to rely on Edwin playing the bass for the last 25 years because whoever's learning to play the bass doesn't take enough time to practice to outplay him. Where are you at? Some of you have the gift to sing. Tana's one of my eldest leaders, and she still has to sing. Why? Because some of you are too scared to do what God has called you to do. Why does AJ have to put up the chairs every week and wonder who's going to come to help him? Because I'll ask him, AJ, do you have a team? Whoever shows up helps. Well, how about somebody says, hey, AJ, you don't have to wonder. I'll come every week. I'll help you. I'll get here early, whatever you want. I'm going to give you a hand. Where are my servants? Where are the ones who are saying, I'm going to do this not for recognition, but so that God can be recognized? You know, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about someone like Valerie. Because Valerie's sneaky with her service. Because I never know what she's doing until after it's done. And I'm always like, who did that? They're like, Valerie did that. I'm like, what? Like that time she did those sweatshirts for Speed the Light and raised like two grand or I don't know how much at this point you've raised with your sweatshirts and your sweaters. I didn't know until I started seeing the sweaters walking around. I'm like, who made those? They're like, Valerie did it for Speed the Light. I'm like, dang, I want one. Now, why didn't I know? Because she never makes it public like that. Because it's really not about her. As a matter of fact, she probably hates the fact that I said her name again in the service. But listen, when you serve... Not to be recognized, but so that others can recognize Jesus. And some might think, well, how are people going to recognize Jesus with chairs? Because they got to sit in them. <laughs> they don't just magically appear. Somebody's got to come and serve and be willing to do those things. I wonder who's going to be the next Valerie. I wonder who's going to be the next one to serve, not because we begged you to, but who found a way to serve. Because here's the thing. Well, if you ask me to do something, I'll do it. That's why you get mad at your brother and sister. Because you got to ask them to help you. When in your heart you're like, you should be helping me. This is your house too. Mom told all of us to do this. Right? Well, God told all of us to serve. So why I got to ask you? Why aren't you stepping up and saying to one of your leaders, hey, I want to be used. What do you need? Well, we can really use somebody to learn the media because uh, Jonathan is going to retire in that booth. <laughs> and every now and then he needs to be able to sit in the service. It's not, I mean, y'all are amazing with technology. You're probably better than him at that stuff. But we need you to do it. I wonder who's the next Valerie. I wonder who's the next one to say, hey, I want to serve not so that people will notice me, but so that I notice him. And the third thing is this. Serving is not a mandatory sentence. What I mean by that is not, you don't, you don't have a life sentence of indentured servitude. <laughs> You don't serve because there's a chain around your neck and you have to do this. We serve because we love God and we love his people. That's it. That should be your reason. That should be the heart behind it. We serve because we love God and his people. It's important to understand when we were reading Mark chapter 10. Let me go back to that verse real quick. It says, for even the son of man... To not come to be served, but to serve, right? And give his life as a ransom for many. I think it's important for you to focus on that word, give his life as a ransom for many. Christ gave his life away. He didn't suffer a sentence. He had a choice, and he chose to die a criminal's death. A lot of people say the Romans killed the Jews, or the Romans killed Jesus, or the Jews killed Jesus. Nobody killed my Lord. He gave his life. Nobody took it from him. He gave it. He made a choice in serving everyone to give his life away. It wasn't a sentence. It wasn't something that the judicial system passed and sentenced him to death. He gave his life so that you and I can find freedom in him. And listen, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. For you have been called. This was your calling. A lot of us are wondering, what's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? What is God calling me to do? Here it is. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We're all called to be cashiers. We're all called to serve one another. 
You know, I was thinking of a couple of leaders when it came to this. And I was thinking of uh, Jonathan Alioto and Haley. Those are two people that if you looked at it the wrong way, you might wonder if they have life sentences. <laughs> you know, Jonathan has been serving in this ministry as long as he could walk. He's done almost every job you can imagine. He plays on Thursdays, plays on Sundays. As a kid, he did everything. He was one of those people that we could always count on. And even more, while being a leader, he worked a full-time job at Starbucks. He went to school full-time, just finished his bachelor's degree to become a math teacher. You know how I hate math with a fiery passion. This man went to school to be a math teacher. On top of that, would run our tutoring program. He's the one actually that started it. And there's literally not one thing that I think of that I could ever ask Jonathan where he would ever say no to me. Ever. There's never been a moment, even when he was scared, he would just say, okay. Why? Because he loves God and he loves his people. I would have been okay if Jonathan said, hey, you know what? I can't serve in youth ministry during this season because school is kicking my butt. And believe me, there were so many nights where he wasn't getting sleep. There were so many nights where I was like, Jonathan, you don't have to come tonight. Don't worry about it. Just go home, sleep, focus on your school stuff. And he goes, no, I got it. I got it. Lock-ins, camps, I mean, whatever. He made it happen. This whole last semester, he had his whole small group. He was the only guy there. I didn't have enough guy leaders. And Jonathan held it down on his own while finishing a degree and graduating to be able to do what he's called. Why? Because he loves you and he loves God. And he doesn't do it for recognition. And he doesn't do it for money because we really don't pay him anything. And he doesn't do it because it's what his family's supposed to do. He does it because he loves God and he loves you. And then I also think about someone like Haley. Because, see, Jonathan is a legacy, right? Jonathan grew up in this church. Jonathan was here since diapers. Haley didn't get saved to the end of her senior year. By the grace of God, she got to go to breakaway at the end of her senior year. And I remember when I saw her looking at my wife going, she's going to be an amazing leader. She wasn't even a Christian yet. But she already had a servant's heart. And everything we've asked Haley to do, she's been willing to do. Don't get me wrong. She's cried a lot. And she freaks out a lot. (laughs) And she has her meltdowns. (laughs) And I think it's cute and funny, and I just giggle about it later on. And the reason I could put up with the meltdowns is because she gets knocked down, but she's never been knocked out. She gets up and goes, okay, let's do it. Why? Because she loves you. She loves God. So if that means serving with our seniors, if that means helping out with all the administration stuff, like all the administration stuff. She literally comes in and does what we used to pay somebody to do for free. Matter of fact, at one point, I know for a fact her dream job was to get paid to do that so she wouldn't have to worry about everything else. But I love the fact that we don't have to give her money to do what God has called her to do. Because it's not about that. It's about the fact that she loves God and she loves his people. I wonder, who's our next Haley? Who's our next Jonathan? Who's the student like they were that says, I want to be the next one to serve? And I don't want to wait till I graduate. I don't want to wait till I become a leader. I want to begin to do that here today, now. Worship team, if you can help me out. So I told you what serving's not. Serving's not a job, serving's not about recognition. It's not about climbing a ladder or trying to be showy. So let me tell you what serving is. Serving is a byproduct of the two greatest commandments that the Lord has given us. Serving is a byproduct of the two greatest commandments that God has given us. Listen, Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love is a verb, it's not a noun. Love is action. You cannot say you love the Lord And not serve him or the things that he loves. I used to always think this, but I know this even more now that Cicely is pregnant. 
But when it comes to parents, there's nothing you can do for them that means more than if you did it for their kids. I'll tell you what, when my child comes, I could care less if you never did anything for me, but you loved on them. Because as a parent, the most important thing to a parent is their child. So if you want to show me you love me, love my family. If you want to prove your love for me, love my child, love my wife. That blesses my heart. That makes me happy. And I've learned to do that with everybody. If I want to honor a person, I honor their family. Because I know that's the most important thing to them. Why am I saying that? If you really love God, if you really love the Lord, then serve the things he loves the most. Serve his people. Learn to be a servant to his people. Learn to be someone that's involved. Don't be a waste of space. Don't be somebody who just takes up a seat. Learn to get involved. Let me go back to a Stephen Colbert quote. It says, but if we should serve others and together serve some common goal or idea, for any one of you, what is that idea? Who are those people? In my experience, you will truly serve only what you love. Because as the prophet says, service is love made visible. If you love friends, you will serve your friends. If you love community, you will serve your community. If you love money, you will serve your money. And if you love only yourself, you will serve only yourself. And you will only have yourself. So no more winning. Instead, try to love others and serve others and hopefully find those who love and serve you in return. Here's the question. What do you love most in this world? You can answer that on your own, but if you want to find the real answer, what do you serve the most? Some of you, you would go through a brick wall for your friends, but you won't serve God. Some of you, you'll do whatever it takes for a particular person. Some of you will do whatever it takes for a video game, for a sport, for a hobby. You would do whatever it takes to serve those things. And the reality is that's because you love that. But if you find that you're not actively serving God, I would also surmise that that says a lot about your love for him. Because if you love the Lord, I mean really head over heels, love the Lord, you would serve him and the ones that he loves. Tonight I ask you to choose. Choose to love God and his people. Choose to serve faithfully, passionately, and completely. Put others before you in the hopes that they would put you before them. And should they not, take comfort in knowing that Jesus put you before himself. And maybe you're sitting here going, Pastor, I have a desire to serve. I just don't know what to do. Talk to one of the leaders. I'll just rattle off a few things right now. Jonathan can use some people in the media. He works here now. You're on summer vacation. Set up a time and say, hey, when are you available for me to come in during the week and get a training with you? Or maybe he wants to set up a schedule and tell you, hey, we're going to do a training session, uh, you know, Tuesday afternoon, I want you all to come through, and we're going to teach you how to do this. Carol can use training in the media. It's not fair that we only have Leo as a student who knows how to do that stuff in the sound booth. Worship team, we've done training the last year. Cat's gearing up to do it again in the fall. If you want to learn an instrument, great. If you're already proficient in it, audition with Pastor Jason. And if you're like, but I don't know if I'm good enough. Well, who cares if you're good enough, we'll help you. And if you're not good enough, we'll tell you. And if you're not called to it, we'll let you know. <laughs> But you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You, if you just say, well, I can't, well, then you're right. I can, help, I can use help with chairs. Can you commit to being here early every week and say, I want to set up chairs and I want to set up the sound stuff and I want to help with cafe? Great. Maybe some of you have a heart for something. Maybe, hey, I'm really good at school and I want to be a part of, of the tutoring program and I want to come and help tutor underclassmen. Awesome. I'm horrible at school. If you're good at it, we need you. Because <laughs> you know how many kids can't come to Excel because of bad grades? Because mom and dad said your grades are bad, you can't go anymore? 
But what if I look at mom and dad and say, hey, don't worry. Send them anyways. We have a tutoring program. And they have peer-to-peer tutors that are going to help them get better grades. Which of you are serving and which of you are just sitting here making it harder for everybody else to get involved? So here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. There's two specific areas tonight that I'm going to prepare you for. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and bow your head for just a second. Because you can't serve what you didn't sign up for. So maybe there's someone here tonight. You've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But after hearing everything that's going on and hearing what God was willing to do for you, maybe there was a tug at your heart. And I know this ain't exactly a salvation message. This isn't, you know, big wow and screaming and shouting. But listen. Maybe God's already been tugging at your heart for a while. And you just needed that little extra ask. So before I pray for the church, because this is really a message for those of you who've already made that decision. Before I make that, I just want to double check. Is there anyone here? No one else is looking around. It's between you and God. Is there anyone here who says, Pastor, I've never made that decision to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. But I know that I need a relationship with him. I know that I can't keep going the way I've been going. If that's you, before we move forward with everybody else, would you just signal me by raising your hand? And I want to have some of my leaders pray with you. Is there anyone here who says, that's me, Pastor Joey. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Praise God. So here's what that tells me. This was for all of you, this message. And so here's my challenge for you. Because a sermon without follow-through is like cooking dinner that no one will eat. It's a waste of time and resources. So look at me real quick. I got two events coming up that I need you to serve in. Two events that you need no skills at that everybody can be a part of. Okay? And if you weren't here for the announcements, I'm going to make them a little clearer. July 27th, the end of next month, we have our children's ministry putting on an event that we call Back to School Bash. We have 500 book bags that we're going to be giving away to kids who need book bags in the community. We got, you know, goats and pony rides and all types of food and inflatables. It's an entire event for children. Tonight in our hallway, there's going to be a table set up. We need volunteers. I need people that are going to help me with the Excel snow cone booth. We're going to be handing out snow cones and making snow cones. I need people that are going to be willing to help to answer questions, to promote Excel, to walk around and build relationships with people throughout the area. I'm going to need people to help run the carnival games that Excel is going to be hosting and handing out the stuffed animals to little kids. I'm going to need people who can face paint to help do face painting. This is an opportunity where we can serve almost 700 people. Last year, almost 1,000 from our community came to this event. I need people that are going to connect with the other teenagers there, that are going to say, hi, my name is Joey. What's your name? Man, have you ever come to Excel? You should check it out this week. Hey, let me introduce you to some of the other people here. Hey, let's go play basketball. Hey, let's go. Let's connect after this. This is ripe for the picking. But I need people who are saying, listen, I know I got a lot of stuff that I could be doing. I could be sleeping in on a Saturday morning, which is when it is. I could be doing a lot of this stuff. But I want to be here because I want to serve. Use me. If you need me to clean up or set up, I'll do it. If you need me to go and play that bouncing ball game with kids, I'll do it. If you need me to get all that nasty snow cone juice all over my clothes, I'll just wear nasty clothes. I got you. (laughs) And the second thing is this year, part of our prayer is we want to make sure that we start expanding. We've established God's house here, but we need to expand it. And I don't want us to get into this idea that church is just for you. Church is to equip you. To reach the lost. Excel is to equip you. I'm not here to entertain and do a song and dance for you, okay? It's to prepare you to go back into your communities, back into your mission field to do what God's called you to do. So we've been partnering with an organization. Actually, I think you just showed up, right? John's over there. John, why don't you come up here in a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. 
John runs an organization that partners with schools to create Christian clubs and outreach opportunities in the schools. Matter of fact, he did one with Lincoln Park last year. How many were there, John? So he did pizza and just said, hey, guys, we want to invite you. If you want free pizza, come to this room. 500 kids obviously wanted free pizza during lunch, and all of them got to hear the gospel in the school. Some of you are like, my friends don't want to come to Excel. What if we brought Excel to the school? What if you became an ambassador for Excel and started bringing it? And so here's what we need. We need people who are willing to either create a Christian club or become part of the one at their school and become an influencer in their community. Now listen, I hear you. I, when I spoke to John, I told him, when I was in high school, I thought the Christian club was super lame. And I thought everybody in it was lame. And my Christian club met in the morning. So I'm like, you bet I'm not going. But I wonder what kind of influence I would have made if instead of calling it names, I served it. And I became an influencer in it. And I started to reach out, not just to other Christians, but we started to reach out to people who were interested in Christianity. What would happen if you organized something at your school and invited me to come over and just answer a bunch of questions that your friends had? So... Tonight we have two sign-ups, and I want to see how many of us are willing to step up and serve. So here's my challenge for you. Get engaged. Serve in any capacity you can. Those who never play a part will never feel a part. You hear me? Those who never play a part will never feel a part of this. It will always be the church as opposed to our church. You know what gets me mad as a pastor? When people say, y'all should do this. And I'm like, what do you mean y'all? You mean we. <laughs> this is ours. This is not Pastor Joey's ministry. This is our ministry. So here's what I want to do. Before we get ready to pray, I'm going to ask John if he would come up now. Would you just give him a quick synopsis of what it is? And then after the service, he's going to be out there along with Sal and some leaders. And they're going to help you kind of figure out what this is all about. Hey there. Uh, like you said, my name's John. And I uh, work with the National School Project to help students like you guys share the love of Jesus at our public schools. And you guys, this is happening all around Chicago at over 40 schools. And so tonight, if you want to make a big impact at your school, if you want to see your friends experience the love of Jesus just like you have, come and join us. We're going to talk about what that looks like, and then you'll be able to sign up if you want to be a part of it. So like he said, Lincoln Park High School, one student said, I can't stand the fact that hundreds of my peers are going to graduate without knowing the love of Jesus. And he said, I want to make a difference. And it just took one. And he went, he launched a Christian club, and now hundreds of students have heard the gospel. And many have responded. And so I just want to invite you guys to come and learn more and check it out. So, Hey, uh, John, let me ask you real quick. Um, what about opposition? What if their school says, no, you can't do it? What if they... You know, start pressing legal things against mm -hmm. them. You know, sometimes yeah. uh, school administration says, we don't want you to do that. You're yeah. not allowed to speak. What do we do in those scenarios? Yeah, you guys, you might think like, man, is this even possible to have God in my school and to talk about Jesus in my school? You guys, it is totally legal. And that's why it's possible is that you can do that. And we're here to support you. And obviously, Pastor Joey is here to support you as well. And so we'll give you all the resources, all the tools you need to talk to your administration, to work through that so you can do this. There is a legal team. Yeah, there's time for free to you to help you guys make an impact at your school. So, John will be back there right now uh, along with Sal. Here's my deal. We are literally making this as ridiculously simple as possible. I mean, you got a team of lawyers that are willing to back you up when somebody says, hey, you're not allowed to say that in school. Talk to my lawyer. <laughs> you know how baller that is? You know how next level that is? You know, I don't even talk to my lawyer, bro. Don't even bring that at me. <laughs> I believe there's someone in this room who's going to take that seriously. I believe there's someone in this room who says, you know what, I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to preach the gospel. One of my favorite prophets, Jeremiah, they called him the weeping prophet. God's mission to him was, I want you to go and tell the nation of Israel that they're messing up. But here's the deal. They'll never listen to you, Jeremiah. Can you imagine being told, hey, I want you to, to go into your school. You're going to start a Christian club. You're going to put all this work in. Oh, and by the way, no one in your school will ever listen to you <laughs> and still be faithful to serve. Now, I don't think that's going to happen with us because we have what Jeremiah didn't have. We have this amazing connection through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that can do what no one else can do. So for those of you who are willing to serve. 
to Barca moment. And for those of you who already serve regularly, I want to leave you with this reminder. It's a Bible verse that has always helped me in my service to have the right perspective. Luke 17, 10. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have only done our duty. We are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Are you doing your duty? Are you doing everything that God has equipped you to do? Or are you just going to fill up the seat again? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every one of these students. And God, right now, I pray for the real ones. I pray for the ones whose hearts are stirred tonight. I pray for the ones that you have been tapping on the shoulder saying it's you. This is what I've called you to do. This is what I purposed and planned for you. Lord, I pray that you would give them a boldness, God, the same spirit of boldness that you gave Timothy in the Bible, Lord, the same Holy Spirit that flowed through the disciples flows through them right now. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to step up and to serve, God, to not be afraid or worried or scared, but to serve with passion and fervor because they love you and they love your people. Lord, I pray that they would mobilize. Lord, I pray that we would, as a ministry, have to create new jobs because we're running out of things for our people to do. God, I pray that it would expand, that we would come up with new creative ways to give them opportunities to serve because we just have too many parts of your people. Give us that problem. Give us that issue, Lord. Stir the hearts of your people so that we're not just seat fillers, so that we're not just people who show up to get entertained. Mobilize us to do exactly what you have purposed and planned for us to do long before we were ever born. So, Lord, I pray for the ones that are real, God. I pray for the ones that are going to step up. I pray for the ones that it didn't go through one ear and out the other, but it went through their ear and stunk right into their heart. Father, I pray that they would put it into action tonight, that they would sign up to serve our children's ministry and our back-to-school best, that they would sign up to learn more about what it means to bring the gospel onto their campuses, that they would get with other ministry leaders and tell them, what do I need to do to serve. I want to be a part of this. This is my family. And I don't want to be the only one that doesn't clean the house. So Father, help us to do everything you've called us to do. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We have a sign up right in the back. If you're interested in Back to School Bash, please sign up because we're going to have a meeting about that. We want to make sure that you're a part of it. And if you want to find out more about getting involved in your school programs, sign up in the back. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.